0: Hello and welcome to this week's Why Football Podcast with me, Etch and
1: Michael Dryden. How are you, Dryden? I'm absolutely fantastic due to the news that Vince McMahon has been linked with Bayern Sunderland. That'd be absolutely superb. John Cena and up front
0: for the lads, I think. What about Booker T? Is he going to make an appearance? or?
1: Yeah, I think he's probably just a sturdy central defensive midfield player. Mm. So you need that in your team, like Dixner too, who when he played for Sunderland, yep. very big. I reckon he could put a man down with his foot. Strong boot on him. Strong on yeah, him. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to the Champions League period as well coming back. That's um that's gonna be great. Unlikely to see an English winner though this season, um, unless City come through. Um Wolves as well will be interested in the Europa League. Looking forward to that coming in. Mm, that um they're playing against Olympiacos who overcame an English team this season. Uh, I think it was Arsenal. Um so that'll be interesting to see how they fare.
0: I really missed that game. Yeah, you must have missed it. Yeah.
1: Um, playoff final on Tuesday as well. Interesting they play on a Tuesday night. Uh, usually the playoff final is the same day as the Champions League final, um, typically, which is always interesting and always good fun. Um, no offence to Fulham fans, but I wouldn't mind seeing Brentford in the Premier League. First they've time, got a new, They've got a new ground coming up. And they're leaving Griffin Park. Interesting model. Um, they have no academy. They have a BT model. It's probably a pod of the day. Um, very interesting team. And also finally, what is that on your T-shirt, Cheers? Yeah, so basically, who is that?
0: <laughs> so basically, uh, this week I'm wearing a T-shirt which many of my friends have seen, uh, which is a picture of David Attenborough, but it's not like an actual picture of him; it's like a cartoon picture. A caricature. Uh, yeah, caricature. He's got a, can... he's got a frog in his top pocket, and he's holding a frog. It's a very yeah, nice T-shirt. So... Yeah, Jordan basically dresses like a 13-year-old boy, <laughs> which is a collection of football tops, shorts and socks. I'm currently wearing Interland t-shirts, be fair. He is indeed, um, so take from that what you will. So how are you, Etch? Uh, uh, it's FA Cup final day, uh, absolutely buzzing, bit nervous as well. Concerned about Giroud turning up and scoring. He played quite well in Baku last year. I think he netted there. That's before I started crying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, nervous about that one. Today's our 10th episode. Shout yeah. out to my football Yeah so shout out to all of our fans All of the haters as well And a special mention to Phil and his dog Yeah he's a big listener Yeah big big listener um, Also thank you to everyone for paying up with my monotone voice I can't promise that will change But I can certainly try Yeah please do This week John will be telling us all about Marcelo Bielsa His footballing background, his philosophy His time at Leeds to date And we'll discuss why he has never managed An elite European club Despite being so revered before we start, please follow us at, on Twitter at YFootball underscore for our latest content. Please also follow and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Acast for immediate access to our future episodes. Who is Marcelo Bielsa and how did he get involved in football?
1: So Bielsa was born in Rosario in Argentina to a family of politicians and lawyers in um, the same town as Lionel Messi and Che Guevara, leader of the revolution. Interesting. He made his debut for Newell's All Boys in nineteen seventy-five, making twenty-five appearances, and then went on to make a further eighty-eight appearances for Instituto and Argentino before retiring at twenty-five in nineteen seventy-eight. So an early retirement for for Bielsa. He went on to coach the Buenos Aires University team, um, allegedly scouting three thousand players before setting on a squad of, of twenty. Quite extensive search. Wow. Um, he joined Newell's Youth Academy in nineteen eighty before becoming manager of the senior side in nineteen ninety, storming to titles in ninety one and ninety two. Um his philosophy was to attack without stopping and running their rivals into the ground, which was kind of unknown in that in the period in Argentina at that time. Um they lost the Coppa Libertadores final, however, at the fin- at the end of the nineteen ninety two season, which led to Bielsa leaving Newells or boys. He then went to Atlas and America before winning his third title with Velez Sarsfield in 1998. Got a fun fact about Velez Sarsfield. Oh, go on. Which Sunderland player formerly played for the club? Um, It's um, Claudio, Claudio Renner. No. It's uh, Acker. Nope. It is Ricky Alvarez. No way. Yes. So, a bit of context there. Alvarez was signed by Sunderland on loan a couple years before we actually got relegated with basically if we stayed up, there would be an obligation to buy the player for around 12 million. Sunderland argued once we stayed up, so basically the player didn't really play. He played a handful of games, was injured, didn't really get in the side, um, despite being what seemed like a really good sign at the time. Because he was injured, we tried to argue that we didn't have to buy him. So the players in that situation where (laughs) both clubs don't want them, it's in court. So it's Sullivan versus into Milan. We end up losing and we lost £12 million. Didn't get the player. Big great, great L. Great piece of business. Actually, interestingly, we'll go on to Leeds. Leeds also embroiled in a very similar situation at the minute with um, Augustine, Kevin Jean mm-hmm. and Augustine, um, where they don't want to bring the player in, but they have the same obligation. But the numbers there are around £20 million. So interesting. Not good for the player. So getting back to uh, Bielsa. After Sarsfield, he then left for Espanyol, but was offered the Argentina job in the same year, so went there. In the 99 Copa America, they were beaten 3-0 by Colombia in a game where Argentina forward Martin Palermo missed three penalties and Bielsa was sent off. So potential match fixing there. Uh, they then lost in the quarterfinals thanks to goals from the legends Ronaldo and Rivaldo. Um, they were favourites to win the 2002 World Cup, interestingly but crashed out on the group stage. They lost to England, thanks to a David Beckham penalty. Um, They were runners-up in the 2004 Copa America and won gold in Athens in 2004 with legends such as Maserano, Javier Saviola and Carlos Tevez in the team and Caballero, interestingly, the eternal man.
0: Yeah, I wonder how many how Olympic success, sorry, ranks with European international stars compared to cup titles. Mm. You know, it's every four years, it's quite a prestigious award, but it's just, I wonder how much they actually do care. It's crazy to think uh, for a manager so popular and the reference point for so many greats in the game like Guardiola and Pochettino, that that was his last title.
1: It's unusual that you'd have a senior manager also manage the Olympic team as well. Yeah. It's on the 23 side. I mean, maybe that's testament to the fact that Bielsa is such a student of the game, Mm. loves the game, but it's unusual, isn't it?
0: Yeah, also, I need to point out as well that you seem to say
1: eternal man (laughs) in every episode. Some men live forever. Fair. So, in 2007, Bielsa joined Chile achieving cult status qualifying for the 2010 World Cup, their first World Cup since 1998. He brought about visible changes in the Chilean setup with fast tracking of young talents through to the first team and a more attacking mindset away from home. Chile reached the 2010 World Cup round of 16 um, before being limited, eliminated by Brazil. Um, Be able then set his sights on Europe and between 2011 and 17. Bielsa had stints at Athletic Bilbao, Marseille, Lazio and Leo. Most notably was his time at Bilbao. He overcame PSG, well, the team overcame PSG, United, Sporting to reach the Europa League final um, in 2012, losing 3-0 to Atletico Madrid. They also lost 3-0 to Barcelona that year in the Copa del Rey final. So two two notable cup runs there.
0: Yeah, I remember that Bilbao side well uh, with a young Munain, uh, the the star of that side, he actually got his first call up all the way back then in 2012, and it took him another seven years to get his next cap. So when I actually thought of that, saw that star, I was expecting him to be like 32. Mm. <laughs> He's only 27, so back then, you know, he was like really coming on to coming to the fore to yeah. of his football. That side also had um, Javi Martinez uh, in defence and it's hard to imagine him in anything but a Bayern shirt which is weird to say because he's been there for so long now yeah he has I think, yeah. I think he moved in 2013 mm. he's still there now um, I think he's the first ooh am not sure I think he's the first non-Spanish, no non-German first Spanish player mm-hmm. to captain Bayern oh really
1: yeah interesting fact I mean Thiago Alcantara is there as well and yeah. again he's synonymous with the Bayern shirt now but obviously another you know, another uh, product from Spain i percent sure honestly, on that fact
0: but I think it's true. Okay, we'll, we'll clear that one up after.
1: <laughs> yeah, Javier Martinez is the, uh, the converted centre-back um, that we all know and love. So after Bilbao, um, Bielsa went to Marseille um, but resigned after losing his first match of his second season against Caen despite finishing fourth the previous season citing conflicts with the club's management. He then went to Lazio but quit after just two days stating the club had been unable to recruit the players he had wanted to bring in um, he then went on to Lille, where he spent uh, longer than two days uh, but signed and signed youngsters such as Nicola Pepe, Great Thiago player. Mendes and Kevin Malqui, amongst others, um, and informed 11 senior players upon his arrival um, before pre-season that they could leave. After a poor start, Bielsa's contract was terminated in December 2017 um, and now he's at Leeds. How has Bielsa transformed Leeds? So Bielsa signed for Leeds in June 18, becoming the highest paid manager in the club's history. To obtain a work permit, he had to prove exceptional talent, um, so compiled a dossier of every formation used in every championship match in the 17-18 season, which is is bonkers. He started well and became the first Leeds manager since Jimmy Armfield in 1974 to win his first three opening league games and then the first ever to win his first four. He received praise for how his influence has permeated the club across his time there. Um, He persuaded the the club to upgrade the Thorpe Arch training facility and expand the staffing network. The academy um, has actually recently been awarded Category 1 status um, this year. So please check out our our podcast on the Elite Player Performance Plan if you'd like to know more on that. And as of January 2020, Bielsa has handed 11 academy players their first team debut
0: yeah 11 academy players is a fair few it's quite a interesting fact it's also really good that you mentioned the e triple p pods quite bold actually uh because your maths on it was quite shaky yeah okay yeah thanks um since then dryans actually bought a calculator which has helped him massively it's got kind of leaps and bounds so well done mate
1: cheers uh, cheers um and most <laughs> most notable of those uh, academy graduates um, it's perhaps Jamie Shackleton. He's made forty-one appearances under Bielsa. He's like a, a technical um, attacking midfield player. Um, also plays the central midfield. Uh, winger Jack Clark came through, made a big impression under Bielsa. He was bought by Spurs for ten million and immediately loaned back. Pascal Strike, uh, formerly of the Ajax academy setup, was recently brought on in a pivotal game against Barnsley. I've only played seven minutes all season. Leeds were top at Christmas in Bielsa's first season. But then came Spygate. Bielsa admitted he had sent a spy to Derby's t- training ground prior to Leeds' 2-0 win. Yeah, morally, Spygate is so wrong on so many levels. But
0: it's interesting to see how strong the desire is from coaches or, in this particular example, Bielsa in order to beat their opponents. Mm.
1: And also, do you reckon
0: he did it before?
1: Yeah, so Poch actually came out in defense of Pochettino, came out in defense of Bielsa saying it's the norm in Argentina, but that does sound a bit like, you know, he really likes Bielsa. He's a big fan. <laughs> yeah. You could say that, no would know. <laughs> yeah, true say, <so>, true say. So. <laughs> happens all the time. Um, well, actually, after that, Bielsa gave a press briefing um, where he gave detailed analysis of his research on a PowerPoint presentation to gathered media and journalists, um, basically detailing his meticulous preparation um, before games and in terms of player um, research with some journalists referring to him as a coaching masterclass, um, basically a way of vindicating his methods without actually apologizing. <laughs> to. Um, but Leeds were fined 200k, which Bielsa paid himself. So, you know, it's very notable. Then came the Villa Park episode in April 2019, which is arguably as um, mad, where Bielsa ordered Leeds to allow Villa to score after Leeds had scored, whilst Villa's Jonathan Kodoja was down injured. Game ended 1 1 ending Leeds automatic promotion hopes um and they went on to win the FIFA fair play award which is a consolation for not getting promotion i think probably is a bigger award yep. um they lost 4-3 on aggregate uh, to Derby in the playoff semi-final ending their season
0: yeah that was a really good gesture from the coach but it's still one of the strangest mm. things i've ever seen in football you've got Bielsa screaming at his side like give
1: the goal yeah, and Pontus Jansen was like just almost like trying, trying to hack him down
0: yeah. <laughs> And then you're also going screaming at Terry. But then Terry's telling him to be quiet. But Terry like, loves it. But it's like he's giving you a goal. So I'm really confused at what the dialogue is. Like he's saying give the goal. Terry is telling Bielsa
1: the to be quiet. Not finished, mate. Game's not finished, Matt. Game's not finished. You've got to keep it up, haven't you?
0: It was, uh, <laughs> it was quite confusing. Uh, he had another nice gesture with Zidane during his time at Marseille where Zidane was doing his coaching badges at the time. He offered a video analysis of his training and the pair spoke over, for over three hours about uh, their views on football, mm. which Viz- Z- 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 Zidane struggled there. Mm. said um was very, very beneficial
1: in his learning as a coach. Mm. So in Bielsa's second season at Leeds, he signed Hilda Costa from Wolves uh, and Liam McCurran permanently. But also on loan, he brought in Ben White, Jack Harrison, Jack Clark, Ilan Meslier and Eddie Nketiah. On loan, Clark and Nketiah were recalled by the parent club that year, the parent clubs, um, but were replaced by Jean-Kevin Augustin from RB Leipzig and Ian Poveda from Manchester City. They topped the championship at Christmas in his second season and won promotion with two games in hand very recently.
0: Yeah, Eddie hardly got a look in at Leeds, yet has played a lot of minutes under Arteta. I wonder why Teta sees that Bielsa didn't, mm. or vice versa. Also, um, Ivan Paveda who has uh, just joined Leeds, or joined Leeds a few months ago, um, has the same barber as me. I feel like I just needed to throw that in there, because you, you've been wondering... It explains uh, why he plays in the championship, I suppose. Uh, it also explains why we both look sharp 24-7. Okay. Same barber, same haircut. Okay, good. What is it about his philosophy that has been so influential? Does he have a set system?
1: But he also fell in love with the Ajax school of the, of the 70s, where the players press relentlessly and push up their defence to minimise the opponent's space. He also wants his team to attack relentlessly too, though, like at Newell's, so he trained the players very hard. He drilled in an ambitious 4-3-3 system at Newell's that would transform into a 3-4-3 on the attack. Uh, he practised synchronised movements that were suppo- supposed to be repeated in games um, when training. His style is said to combine the work of Cesar Luis Menotti and Carlos Bilardo. a bit of background on them too. Menotti was the manager during Argentina's 1978 World Cup triumph, who was a kind of romantic of the game who loved to attack and left the creativity the inspiration of his players. Bilardo, who delivered the 1986 World Cup title, favoured a more defensive setup and based his work on meticulous planning and video analysis. Bielsa is very much seen as being a school of both and combining their work, um, insisting his players think for themselves. Um, he actually asks, or has been known to ask his players to read newspapers and write up dossiers um, to present to him. If you're a professional footballer, what do you think the main headline in the papers would be about you? Um, it'd probably be... Um, Underwhelming... Uh, no, it would be Phillips, graduate of the Kevin Phillips School of Football uh, scores hat-trick for Sunderland FA Cup final of triumph. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Pochettino, uh, going back to, to Bielsa,
0: cited his uh, Bielsa's influence on him as key for him going into management and it also influenced his opinions on how to nurture young talent. Mm.
1: Something which Pochettino's been brilliant at with Spurs as and, well as... And as Southampton. And, yeah, massively. He brought through so many players. Bielsa is also known for watching and collecting numerous football videos, um, so to kind of um, build on that kind of Carlos Bilardo kind of influence, um, editing and analysing each video to present to each player. He's very meticulous. Um, he also utilises statistical software and other technological tools to prepare for games. Um, so very pioneering, particularly coming through at that time. So Bielsa clearly has a philosophy, but does he have a preferred setup? So, Bielsa's signature formation in his squads, which he made famous and brought into the fore at Argentina and Chile, and also with Marseille, is the 3 3 3 1 formation, which is essentially three defenders, three midfielders, being one central midfielder with two wide players, two wing backs, three attacking players. So, we have a number 10, two wingers, and then one center forward. The idea being that it's interchangeable. So, with that three that's in the midfield, you know, they, could, they could be forward wingers. They could also come back for um, to be wing-backs to defend, um, which allows for quick transitions from defending to attacking. The wing-backs at times effectively become half-backs, um, which could be said to be the influence behind uh, Guardiola's use of Philip Lahm, a uh, bit by Munich, who often um, would start in the wing-back positions but would push up into kind of a, into a half-back. So it was like to the left or to the right of the central defensive midfield player, which could be Javi Martinez, for example. Um, the system essentially establishes superiority in numbers in every part of the field Um, since with this formation the teams could defend with seven players attack with six or seven players or protect the scoreline by overwhelming overwhelming the the midfield or bringing the players back into defence so it requires constant reshuffling hence the emphasis on work rate Um, so Guardiola speaking of influence refers to Bielsa as the best in the world what he does Pochettino refers to him as his footballing father. However, building on his style, some critics argue that the taxing demands of Bielsa's management have led to his teams starting the season brightly before a dip in performances as players begin to tire. Something that is sometimes been leveled at Guardiola teams or more so in the second season or third season. Yep. Have they built on that or have they been able to maintain that? intensity going forwards yeah the bielsa
0: burnout has been well documented he actually has this training drill which the leads players call murderball but it's been documented at all of his previous clubs as well um which is basically 11 v 11 but you can't stop running and there are coaches on hand to play the ball back in to ensure the players don't get breathers
1: when the ball's thrown back in. From sounds, their own. sounds brutal. Apparently Pascal Strike, who I mentioned earlier, came on against Barn- Barnsley despite playing minimal football. Since the restart, came back and trained very well and actually was apparently very good at murder ball. Uh, Patrick Banford saying that apparently he got a lot of stick from the coaches because he couldn't get the ball off Strike, who basically ran the session. At Bilbao, Bielsa adapted his style to an attacking 4-3-3 with full-backs pushing forward and a converted midfield player, i.e. Javi Martinez <laughs> again, um, playing in the back line to help play out from the back. Pressing was also a key part of the system. When it leads in eighteen nineteen, 19 Bielsa introduced a 4-1-4-1 4-1 formation with the revered Calvin Phillips converted from a box-to-box or attacking midfielder into a deep-line midfield player. Strong football manager term there for anyone who's a fan. But when facing teams who play with two central strikers, Bielsa would switch to his much-loved 3-3-3-1 formation, with Phillips dropping further back into the defensive line as a centre-back or sweeper.
0: Yeah, I went to see Leeds versus Arsenal at the Emirates this season in the FA Cup, and I thought Calvin Phillips was sensational. Watched on TV, yeah, it was great. Yeah, I, I mean, he's a dark horse for the Euro squad, which is a bold claim, I know. But like most of the team that day against Arsenal, they
1: just played us off the park. Southgate clearly wants a player in that mould as well. I mean, the amount of game time that Winks has had for the national side compared yep. to his game time at senior level for in for Tottenham is actually quite odd yep. Um, for someone to get so much game time. So he clearly wants to play in that mould. Rice has came through as well. Yep. So the discussion that this leads on to, I think, is if so revered, why has Bielsa not been given a job at a top European club? Um, you could argue that his emphasis on meticulous preparation off the pitch, non-stop intensity on the pitch in attack and defence could leave his teams weary. After a season or two, We touched on the the Bielsa burnout, perhaps the Guardiola burnout, if that's a thing. And while high high intensity pressing is commonplace in the modern game, the all-round intense nature of Bielsa's um, methods might not be a fit for some of the, the big superstars in the game. So, I mean, it's, perhaps it's a, a stereotype of players like Hazard or Neymar are they going to be ones to are working that hard on and off the
0: pitch? Yeah, so Zonal Marking by Michael Cox, which is a brilliant book, the book, claims that most successful pressing teams last for around three seasons or so, and then they tail off. Now, every time I say that fact to someone, they always mention, oh, Klopp's Liverpool and like... Yeah, but the, you can say about Guardiola now. Yeah, He's yeah exactly. The, the point isn't so much that the team becomes rubbish, it's just that they have three fantastic years of their peak before going to a lower level, mm. much like you could potentially argue the end of Klopp's time at Dortmund. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how Leeds fare in the Prem and in the, in the future. Mm. Aside from his stint at Argentina, Bielsa hasn't managed a team of superstars. Um, you know, which which could be problematic with bringing in his philosophy in the Argentina side. International football is a bit different because you're with players for a short time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting to see. You know, could uh, you mentioned before Hazard or Neymar buy into that? The flip side of that is, you know, Guardiola is a massive disciple of his, and he's implemented that at Barca. I mentioned Barca because at the time he was a novice in coaching and brought mm. a team of superstars to. All, all-time greatness, so it's yeah. definitely possible. But it is a marker against him.
1: Mm, absolutely, you could also say as well that he demands a lot from the ownership upon his arrival. So we saw at Lille and Lazio, in particular came in. He wants all the squad. You could say that's natural for a Manager coming in to want to bring in his own players and methods because he's going to be, he's going to be um, reviewed on his performance. He doesn't want to do that with a team he doesn't want to play with. it Doesn't fit his system. But what we saw at both clubs, he does have a tendency to walk out of things, do not go his way, which could leave the the club high and dry. I mean, his name is El Loco after all, meaning Madman Bielsa. Does a big elite club want to bring in someone who, with certain demands, who might walk out if things don't go his way? It's very hard to replace a manager at that level, at elite level. Mm. Um, It's very difficult.
0: Yeah, I don't think his demands are specifically uncommon for big-time managers coming in. I think it's part and parcel of the modern game. You know, I'd expect most managers of that size to walk out because, you know, your reputation's on the line. Mm. I think a lot of managers kind of go about it in different ways. So some just complain publicly, so then the fans get on the manager's side and the board are under pressure. And then I guess Bielsa's in a different category where it's like, I'm just going to leave. Yeah, well, at
1: Lazio, you imagine that, I mean, he was there for two days. He must have been... It's the dream in a sense that, yeah. yeah, you come in, we'll bring in the players that you want. You came in and to leave after two days suggests that they've just said, well, actually, no, the budget is not what you thought it was. Yeah, exactly. Players that you want to bring in are just unrealistic. You're going to have to go for X, Y, Z instead. I think we also have to question whether he'd be suitable at a club like Real Madrid, for example, we touched on Hazard's earlier they like to buy marquee signings um to improve their team obviously but also to improve their brand they'd like to compete on the world stage um in terms of finances does that go against um, the bielsa model of meticulous planning and preparation does he want to bring in this player because the president wants to bring in was it Flores and um, previously wants to bring in this this world superstar to build the brand is that going to fit Bielsa's system if it doesn't is there going to be a clash does the ownership of that club know that think that Bielsa also could be problematic in terms of how the brand moves forward not just the team and he's never managed in the champions league as far as i'm aware um and never won a major competition in europe continentally and domestically so again these ownerships thinking well you know he, he's revered but he hasn't won anything we want to win trophies yeah
0: yeah i think you know real is a very unique example but there is an argument that if he doesn't have control of certain things, the club it wouldn't work well for mm-hmm. him. It kind of strikes me as the old Wenger model where he had a lot of power in the club and in modern football, especially with the young coaches we're seeing coming through, Lampard, Arteta, who meet today in the FA Cup final, that it's a different type of setup. You know, you have head coaches now, not managers, yep. who control just the team. Then you have the technical directors, director of footballs, yep. advisors that control all of that. is from an era which was more old school, so could he adapt to some of the structures at these bigger clubs? I'm not so sure. But I always say, as I've mentioned before, when you look at the success of someone like Guardiola, a disciple of his, it is potentially possible. He does have a lot of City, but they have um, people above him as well who, who I assume, help advise him. With yeah, cheeky Pakistan, exactly. Yeah. Football. yeah, I was struggling with the name there, so that's why I left <laughs> it. But another point as well is, what do we define as success? You mentioned. Uh, having never won a major European trophy continentally or domestically. Bielsa will be remembered by so many within the game as and has inspired so many coaches, you know, Pochettino, Pellegrino, the former Southampton manager... As well as Guardiola, uh, to name a few. Mm. But then he's won less uh, domestic titles and European titles than Michael Loundrup, as a manager, who won the Carlin Cup with Swansea, and Roberto Di Matteo, who won the Champions League with Chelsea. Yet, if we were to fast forward 20 years, we're only going to be talking about Marcelo Bielsa, and we'll probably forget the two I mentioned before. Absolutely. That's all from us. Thank you to Dryden for doing the research. And thank you to you guys for tuning into this week's Y Football podcast. Please don't forget to follow us at YFootball underscore. And please also follow and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Acast for immediate access to our future episodes. Cheers, guys, and see you next week. Thanks, guys.